this morning, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to John chapter 9. John chapter 9. If you don't have a Bible, you can take uh, that one in the seat back pocket. Uh, there should be one somewhere in the row in front of you. Um, and, and if you don't have a Bible at home, that's your Bible now. So Merry Christmas. Uh, but turn to John chapter 9. We're, we're, this morning we're going to continue to walk through the book of John. Next week we're going to take a, a break for Christmas. Uh, but this morning we're going to look at one of my favorite passages, one of my favorite stories in the book of John. And what we're looking at is, is what I believe the, the author, John, is, is giving an illustration to one thing that we saw last week, which in John chapter 8, Jesus makes a claim about himself. And he says, I am the light of the world. And, and what we see this week in John chapter 9 is what happens when that light enters darkness? What happens? And, and, and the, the illustration, the story that we're going to look at is a man who was born blind, who had physical blindness, and, and how, how the, the author, John, and Jesus use his, his physical blindness to, to bring light to spiritual blindness. Because we all, I believe, we are all blind uh, to, to certain things at certain times. We, we all have a certain level of blindness. I, uh, a couple years ago, I, I was, I don't know why, uh, but I kind of got into this, this space where I, like my beard was just, I just let it grow. And it wasn't like intentional. It wasn't like for No Shave November. You know, people ask me, oh, is it No Shave November? No, it's just I, I didn't shave. I don't, I, don't know what to tell, I don't know what to tell you. You know, and then, and then it got to the point where it's like, oh, oh let's just see what happens. You know, guys, if you, you know, if you can relate to, I don't know if you can relate to that, but it was just kind of like, it's growing, I don't know, that's, it's kind of like a science experiment. It's like, let's just see where this thing goes. And, and it kept, you know, and I was working with college students at the time, and you know, they're enthusiastic, and they kept, oh, your beard looks so cool, oh, that's, a, you know, I was like, oh, maybe I'm that guy, maybe I'm just the beard guy, you know, so my, my wife got me some beard oil, which, which helped some, but, you know, and, and it just, like, it got pretty, it got pretty big, um, and, uh, it, and then one, uh, this guy that I was working with at the time, he took my picture, and I wish I could have found it, I couldn't find it, but he took my picture, and in love, I'm sure this was in love, took my picture and put it, uh, compared it to this picture, in love, right? And, and I, you know, like, my picture was side by side. If you don't know who this is, this is the little kid from Jumanji who gets turned into a monkey because he tries to cheat. If you, if you haven't seen the, game, the, the movie, it's a classic. What are you doing? It's a mid-90s. All right. Well, he's, he's a monkey boy. That's, and, and as my picture was put against this picture, I was like, oh, my goodness, I look like a monkey. Like, it was, it, the resemblance was uncanny. And I kept thinking, like, why? And I, I'm sure my wife was trying to tell me that, you know, like, because it, it, it's when my beard gets long, I play with it a lot, and it's kind of, you know, it's, it's weird and gross, you know. And, but but it, I was like, I, I, I didn't know. I had no idea that that's what I look like. I was walking around every day just going about my life looking like that. And, and so, it, you know, I was just blind to it, and then I... I had an invitation to do something different, and that's, I took that invitation. But we, but we are all blind to certain things at certain times. We, we, we're all nose blind. I think it's so interesting that we all have our own, like, smells. I mean, it's just a thing, right? I mean, you guys, you're, that's not new to you, right? Like, you go into somebody's house, and you're like, oh, this smells like, 
you know, like, it smells like grandma's house. Oh, this, you know, these people have, I'm sure we have our own smell. But we don't know it. We don't know it because we're nose blind to it. You know, and, and it's, it's humorous when we're blind to, you know, the nasty beard on our face or, uh, you know, our own smells or anything. But, but this blindness, it goes deeper than that and it goes further than that. I think that's what Jesus is, is pointing out. Um, I, I asked my wife if I could share this, and it's always dangerous when you're preaching and going through stuff because I'm a verbal processor, and so I'm kind of verbally processing sometimes in real time. Um, but her, her mom, my mother-in-law, um, some of you know you're praying for her. She passed away last Monday. And, you know, it was, um, she, she was diagnosed with lung cancer back in August, um, and it's, it's been, you know, when you, going through stuff like this, it's, it's just really, you know, it's, it's layered and it's complicated and she was a complicated woman and all these different things and relationships and, and trying to, trying to figure out like, man, how, how do, how do we want to end life? Like, how do you, how do you want to, and, and one of the last conversations I had with her, we went and visited her in uh, September. Yeah, September. And I, I was it was kind of a rare moment um, where everybody else was kind of gone and it was just me and her and I, I had asked her, I said, Michelle, how are you doing? Like, how? She said, well, I'm not going to lie to you, I'm scared. But you know, but, but the doctor says that if chemotherapy works, I'll have at least two good years. I thought, man, two years. And I said, well, okay, well, I mean, if you do have two, what would you want to do with that two years? What, what would you want to do? Well, you know, I want to I wanna be with my kids. I want to be around. But what I really want to do, I want to enjoy my house. You know, and she had these plans to, like, repaint her living room. And, I, you know, like, we're, we need to repaint our living room. And I have, I probably have many years left of my life, and I don't want to do that. You know, it's like, I, I, I you know, she, she talked about, like, getting new furniture and all these different things. I'm like, man, isn't it? It's crazy to me sometimes where it's like we, we, can, we can be told something. We can be shown something. We can have light be shown on a situation. And yet our, our, the invitation is to say, hey, we can do something different here. Right? You can take steps and be different and make different choices. And yet there are times in our lives where that blindness is so pervasive that we say, you know, I, I know what the doctors say. Which, which for her, the doctors actually, they gave her days to weeks maybe months, and she's thinking, uh, for some reason, she reframed her, 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 her reality to say, no, I, I probably have a couple good years, and you know what I want to do with those years? I want to repaint my living room. You see, the, the, you know, we can look at that and we can say, oh man, tragic, and yet we all do that. We all walk through life with, with blindness, we all walk through life with, with things that we focus on. It's like, you know, we, we're, just, we're just running. And the reality is we're all running towards our death. Right? All of us. It may, it may be, for some of us, it may be weeks. For some of us, it might be years. We are all running towards death. And, and I believe what Jesus is doing with this illustration is he's saying, hey, 
let me bring revelation to your, to your situation. Because him, as light, as he's saying, I am the light of the world, when light shows up, there's two things that happen. Right? Two things that happen. There's revelation and there's invitation. Two things. When light comes on the scene, there's revelation, right? Oh, your beard makes you look like a monkey boy. There's revelation. I did not know that. That is news to me. There's revelation. Hey, you have weeks to live. There's revelation. And then with revelation comes invitation. You should shave. I'm going to do that. Hey, maybe you should make different choices with the time that you have left. Maybe, maybe there are things that you're blind to that you could do differently. And so this morning, what we're going to do as we look through this passage, I want to just point out where that revelation and invitation not only is, is shown here, but where we as people living, uh, what is today? Uh, wow, I'm blanking on the date. November 26, 2023, sitting in Columbia, Missouri, I believe Jesus wants to say to each one of us, hey, I'm light. I'm the light of the world. I want to bring revelation to you. And with that, there's an invitation. So if you would stand with me, we're going to read all this story. It's John chapter 9. We're going to read the whole thing, so buckle up, all right? Um, and, and then we're going, to, we're going to go back through and we're just going to look at a few things. John chapter 9, I'm reading out of the ESV, so if you have one of those pew Bibles, it's NIV, just a little bit different, but we'll, we'll all get there. John chapter 9, sorry, verse 1. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. He, he once again, he doubles down on this claim about himself that we saw in chapter 8. He once again says, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seen. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. Can, can we just stop and just see the humor? Yeah, thank you. I, first service didn't get it. I think it's too early, you know, whatever. I think there's just, you know, they're having a debate about, Oh, is it? Like, oh, he sure looks like it. He's like, ah. I don't know what to tell you. I am. You know, driver's license. Here's a, you know, if he wouldn't have a driver's license, he's blind, right? But he's like, I am the man. So he goes on. He kept saying, I am the man. Verse 10. So they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees, the man who had formerly been blind, now it was Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such things? And there was a division among them. 
So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said, he's a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and he had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he's of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he's of age, ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, why this is amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, could he do, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born in utter sin and would teach us and they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into the world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your goodness. Praise you for your, uh, just your word to us. And I pray, God, that you would help us to, to see this morning. Help us to see you. It's in your name. Amen. You may be seated. This morning... As we look at this passage again, there's, there's two things that I want to continue to point out. Revelation and invitation. Revelation and invitation. As, as Jesus comes on the scene, it starts by saying he saw the man born blind. And, and his seeing this man then sparks this conversation between the disciples. Right? And, and what are they really asking? They say, well, well who sinned? There's got to be a reason for this blindness. There's got to be a reason for the brokenness in our world. There's got to be a reason. that This just can't be. Right? And so they start to talk about, well, who sinned? Because they're like, there's got to be a reason. And I think it's humorous that they're saying, okay, we know this guy was born blind, so who was it that sinned? Was it him or his parents? And it's like, well, what could a baby do in its womb that would be worth blindness? Right? Like... I mean, like, what was God up in heaven saying, that baby is just flipping people off in the womb? Like, what's, what, what, is, what is the baby doing in the womb that God would be like, nope, you're going to be blind forever, right? And, and there, there, is, there was this idea that said if a parent went to the temple to worship uh, an idol 
and they're pregnant, then the, the baby would be counted a sinner as well. There, there was that idea, but they're, they're trying to draw distinctions. And I believe what they're doing is they're trying to, to get an answer for the reason why bad things happen. And, and I think there are times where we can look at this passage and we can say, okay, well, well maybe, maybe this will help me understand. Maybe, maybe this is the reason for these things that are going on in my life. And, and, and I want us to understand, I want us to see that I don't believe that this is a passage that gives a why. I don't, I don't think that. I don't think this is a passage that gives a why, but I do think it's a passage that gives a what. I don't think it answers the question, why do bad things happen? But I think it answers the question, what could, what could God, who is the light of the world, who comes into darkness, what could God do with my brokenness? What could God do when, when, when we look at things and we say, this can't be, this shouldn't be, what could God, who is a good, good father, coming into brokenness, what could he do with it? Because that's what we see throughout scripture, is not, not a reason, but God's goodness. In the midst of brokenness. So I think, that's, I think that's part of the revelation, right? Part of when, when Jesus comes on the scene, he says, I am light. What does light do with broken parts? It sheds light and shows a good father who wants to do good things with brokenness. An incredible example. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Probably the most famous example is Joseph, right? In the Old Testament. Where Joseph, he had incredibly difficult things happen to him. His parents, uh, I mean, his, his family was incredibly dysfunctional. I mean, if you, if, you, if you actually look at it, there's generational trauma. There are, it's just like, his, his dad gives him a, a coat of many colors, which, you know, it's like the Technicolor dream. Oh, isn't that, isn't that so nice? I don't know about that. Right? I mean, it, it was like to kind of snub his other brothers. And there's all this family dynamic. And in the middle of this, it's like his dad gives him this coat. And basically is like, let's pour some gasoline on this, on this dumpster fire. Right? I mean, super dysfunctional. And yet in the midst of that, his brothers attack him, sell him into slavery. They want to kill him. And yet in the midst of it, at the, at the end, when his brothers come back to him and are like, hey, we're good, right? Like dad just died, we're, but you know, are we okay? And he's like, guys, yeah, you meant this for evil. There, you, you partook in the brokenness. But look what God did with your brokenness. See, when, when we come into situations, when we, when we are, we're saying, okay, what, what, is, what is God wanting to reveal? Maybe there is brokenness that you're experiencing this morning that, that I'm, not, I'm not trying to give you a neatly packaged why for your brokenness. I'm not trying to do that. I don't think that would help anyway. Sometimes when we go through hard things, I don't think there is a why that would be good enough that would satisfy why such a bad thing happened. But I do believe that when we say, God, I don't understand this, but I'm going to hold on to the fact that you're good, it still doesn't, it still doesn't like make everything just magically okay. You know, Romans, uh, in, in Romans it says God works uh, all things for good for those who love him. And it's not necessarily like, I, I've heard people warp that verse and talk about your good. This is going to turn out for your good. Just believe hard enough and, and you know, like the, all the, the bad things, will, the sickness will go away and the prosperity will come. That's, again, prosperity gospel, which I believe is a lie from the enemy. We are against that. But there is this, God is working all things for good. 
You might not be able to see the good, but we serve a God who is good, and that changes things, right? See, the, the, again, Jesus comes in, he's light, into this brokenness, and he says, watch what I can do, right? And, and then right after that, he, he makes his claim about himself again, I'm the light of the world, and then he starts to, he spits on the ground, makes mud, puts it on the guy's eyes. Now, there, there are many, many things that we can say about this, but one of the things that I believe Jesus is doing here, well, first of all, there's a lot of different ways that he could have done this, Right? If, if you look throughout scripture, what are a few ways that Jesus heals people? Group participation. What are a few ways that he heals people? His words, right? He says, oh, the centurion, right? That's a good example. The centurion comes to Jesus. Hey, my, my servant's sick. Jesus is like, yeah, go back. They're healed. He just speaks. They're not even around him. They don't even hear his words. What are some other ways? Touch, yeah, he touches the leper. The, uh, the, the woman with the, uh, the, the blood uh, disorder, what does she do? She doesn't get touched. Jesus doesn't even know she's there. She just touches the hem of his robe, healed. But now this guy, born blind, Jesus makes his statement about who he is. He spits on the ground, makes mud, puts it on the guy's eyes. It's like, for real, dude, couldn't you have just, like, you could have just said, hey, you're, you're, yeah. See, and boom. He's, so why did Jesus do what he did? A better story. I think, I think that's part of it. I do think that's part of it. And I think that's what we see in the progression, right? But I think another thing, another reason that he does this, I believe, is because he's calling out the, the religious rulers of the day. It's a continued process throughout the book of John. The, uh, in the beginning of John, it starts with Jesus cleansing the temple. And we, as we talked about, that puts him on a collision course with the cross. Jesus is not backing down. He's calling them out. And he, he's on a collision course with these religious rulers. And I think that's what he's doing right now. See, the idea of making mud, it was the same kind of concept of kneading dough. And we, we read in verse, I believe it's verse 6. Is it verse 6 or no, 14. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. The, making dough on Sabbath, huge no-no. Big deal. You broke Sabbath. You are a sinner. You are, you know, that's a, that's a big deal. And what Jesus is doing is he's saying, all right, watch what I can do. And he makes mud. Breaking the Sabbath law. And I think what he's doing is he's calling them out and saying, hey, this does not make you right with me. Uh, let me. Let me expose your blindness. See, some blindness is very apparent. Some blindness is harder to see. Right? The, the guy who was born blind, everybody is like, oh, I, I think, he, I mean, you look like the guy who was blind. He's like, yeah, that's because I am. And other people are like, oh, no, I did not. I, he can't be. Like some people, there was no question about the guy's blindness, for real. Like, it, but those religious rulers, even, even in the end of the passage that we read, they're like, are you saying we're blind? Jesus is like, yeah, you're super blind. But you don't see that you're blind, and that makes it worse. That makes your blindness worse. See, Jesus is calling out their blindness. I think there are times in our lives where we can, especially those of us in here, right? 
We can come to church, and, and again, you can be like, hey, Luke, you're preaching to the choir. I'm here. It's even a holiday weekend, and I came to church. So, you know, we're good. I'm good. We're good. Everybody's good. You know, whatever. But, but we, can, we can come in here. We can sing songs. We can have our seats. We can, we can even engage during the, the talking to your neighbor period of the service. And then we can go out, and we can live our lives incredibly blind to the realities that God wants us to walk in. And, and all, oftentimes, what we do too, and I think this is what the religious rulers are doing, that things are shown, like there's a revelation, and yet what we do is, is re, we rework this new information to fit our perceived story. We rework, we see new things, and we're like, oh, well, maybe not. Maybe it's, I, I had a, you know... I didn't tell my kids I was going to share this story, but I, having kids sometimes, it's like you have somebody to blame even when they don't do the thing. You know, it's like I, I misplace stuff all the time, but in my head, I'm like, I bet those kids use like I, I had a the Zippo lighter, you know, and, and I, I was like, I was trying to find it, and I was like, I bet those kids took that lighter. Why would they do that? I bet that, you know, and I text them, hey, what'd you guys do with that? And they're like, we didn't do anything with it. Yeah, sure. Sure you didn't. And I was cleaning up, and sure enough, I found it in a drawer right beside my bed. And I was like, ooh, why would those kids put that lighter in my drawer? <laughs> I bet that, you know, I bet they, you know, we, we rework this information. We, we receive revelation. And if we're not careful... We rework that information to fit our perceived story. We're going in this direction. We want to repaint our living room, no matter what the doctors say. We want to, you know, we want to do this thing. No matter what anybody says, we're just, we're going for it. See, Jesus comes on the scene and he's saying, hey, would you, what about that spot in your life? Yeah, I know you go to church every Sunday and that's awesome. I know you read your Bible you memorize scripture, it's great. I want to take you deeper. I want to take you further. See, uh, if, if you continue to read in this passage as we did, there's so many areas where there's a, there's a lot of repeated phrases and repeated words, like seen and saw, blind is repeat, obviously uh, repeated over and over. But there's also repeated, I, I don't know, I do know. You know, this, this guy, I, in, in my mind, this blind guy, is, he's just happy to be there. Like, he's happy to be alive. He's happy to see. You know, he's, he's just like, you know, people are like, how did you see? How did you receive yourself? I don't know. Like, he, he, you know, in, in his, in his uh, uh, explanations, we see a progression of, of his understanding of what's going on. Uh, first, the crowd says, how did, how did you see? Because he's like, I am the man. And they're like, okay, what happened? It's like, you know, Jesus spit on the ground, made mud, put it on my eyes. I went and washed. Now I came back seeing. I don't know. And they're like, well, where, where is he? I don't know. I, he's like, I don't know. I only know what I know, and I don't know what I don't know. And then he goes on, and the, the Pharisees are like, well, how can you see? And, and his, his responses get shorter and shorter. Do you notice? He says, he put mud on my eyes. I washed. I see. And, and it, it's almost like when, you know, if you have kids and they keep asking, why? 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 And then your response is like, guess I said so. Like, I, it just, you know, it just gets so, and then, and then when the Pharisees are like, well, what do you think? You know, and he, he says, well, he's a prophet. He's a prophet. So he goes from, he's a man, the man Jesus, to he's a prophet. And then later on when they're like, well, how did this happen? And he's like, I'm not going to say it again. 
Uh, We've been there. We've done that. And he's like, why? Do you want to be his disciple? So he goes from he's a man to he's a prophet to I want to be his disciple. Isn't that the way with revelation? Isn't that the way when light comes on the scene? Like sometimes we want... We want to see it all. The, the, the temptation is we don't want to do anything until we know everything. That's part of the temptation. Right? Well, I, I don't want to take a step until I know where this train's going. I don't want to, I don't want to go until I know, is, is every, am I going to be okay? Is everything going to be all right? And yet what we see as Jesus brings revelation on the scene, it's just little by little. And this guy takes baby steps until he's in this space where in the very end, he is worshiping the, uh, the Messiah, the sent one. He goes from not knowing anything to just this blind guy to, oh, he's a prophet, to I want to I be in relationship with him. See, I, I think there are many of us who we, we are okay with our Christian experience being completely cerebral. I, I was reading a book, it's been a while, and I was trying to remember what book it was, but they were telling a story about these guys that, that were plotting uh, this exploration. And they had these maps and, and charts of the ocean, and they were going to set, uh, set their courses and all this. And there was a seasoned sea captain among them. And, you know, and he, grabbed, he grabbed the charts, and he says, this isn't the ocean. This isn't the ocean. He says, you don't know what the ocean is until you stand on the deck of your ship, and you feel the, the salt spray in your face, and you navigate by the stars. See, oftentimes we get, we get so, uh, we're just so focused on just like, just knowing, knowing what's right, knowing the truth, being, being in church and soaking it all up. And, and instead of being a conduit of blessing, instead of, instead of being seen and then taking a step and saying, okay, I don't know, but here's this step. We just, it just all stays up here. And, and is, is it important? Obviously, guys, is it important to read our Bibles? Yes, that I was I was waiting for you to respond. Is it important to read our Bibles? Yes. Is scripture memory important? Yes. Yes. Is prayer important? Is having a personal quiet time important? Yes. All those answers are yes. You got you, good. Good job. Yes. And yet I believe there are times in our lives where our relationship with Jesus does not go past our morning coffee. When, when we see people on the street corner, when we, when we uh, navigate relationships, when we're around the, the Thanksgiving table, the, the relationship that we have with Jesus, it doesn't reach those places. And yet the, there's an invitation. You see, when, as, as Jesus continues, as he, as he brings revelation into these areas where there's brokenness, as he brings revelation into these areas where, where maybe these people, it's like, don't, just don't look there, Right? We're good. Just don't look in that spot. There's also an invitation. I, I love, one of my favorite parts of this whole narrative is when the, the blind man kind of turns into the teacher. Right? In the end. And I don't know, I don't know how to read this, honestly. I don't know if this is like a, if, if he's being sarcastic or if he's like genuinely like he's just, again, he's just happy to be there. I, I'm not sure. I don't know if he's, you know, they're like, well, we know, we don't know where this guy's from. He's like, oh, what? I can't believe this. I don't know if he's like telling everybody, hey, guys, you won't, you won't, you won't believe what they just said. I don't know if he's like genuinely surprised or if he's just like, putting them on blast, you know, like, like, this is, this is ridiculous. 
But he turns into the teacher and what happens is he gets cast out. Cast out of the synagogue. Most likely they're still in Jerusalem because of the last chapter. But he gets cast out of the synagogue. And and there's a lot of different ways that we can interpret that. But I think one of the the things that we need to understand is that the synagogue was kind of the center of, of their cultural experience. The, the people bringing this guy to the religious rulers, it wasn't that they were trying to like get him in trouble. It wasn't like they're like, you know, hey mom and dad, you'll never guess what, you know, Brian did. You know, the, it wasn't that. This was the, the cultural center where they talked about different things and they, they experienced things together. And when this guy gets cast out of that, he's being cast out of belonging. He's being cast out of connection. He's being cast out of what they understood to be the way that they experienced God. And in that, in the very end of the passage, verse 35, Jesus heard that they had cast him out and having found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Having found him. This whole passage, how does this passage start? What does it say in the very beginning? Verse 1. As he passed by, he what? Saw a man blind from birth. This whole passage starts with Jesus seeing this man. And it ends, even when he gets cast out of connection, when it looks like, oh man, this is, this is bad. He took a baby step and he fell flat on his face. Jesus, in the midst of that, found him. See, this man is seen by Jesus. He's seen and his being seen by Jesus brings him into a place where he can now see. His his being seen allows him to see. See, we are people who are seen. I, one of the, I, I love one of the first times, whoops, sorry, Genesis 16, 13. This is one of the first times that, that God is named by a person. This is Hagar, who, she's, a, she's an Egyptian slave. She's being, she's being used and oppressed by Abraham and Sarah. There's, again, just some crazy family dynamics going on. She's being cast out, and it's kind of the end of the road for her. She leaves her son Ishmael because she doesn't want to see him die, and she goes away, and yet God comes to her, and he says, Hagar, I see you. I see you. And she responds. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God of seeing. For she said truly here I have seen him who looks after me. See this morning as we come into this place. There is brokenness that we bring with us. And there's some brokenness that's really evident. Really evident. We, we do our best to hide it. We do our best to look good. We do the part. We, we put on the smile. But it's evident. And there's some brokenness that, that you do a really good job of hiding. And there's even a response. Like, like if you knew we were going to put on the screens what you did. Or even, even if it's like, hey, yeah, I know that was rough. There, there's this response. We have this reaction. Oh, we, we want to hide. We don't want to be seen. And yet Jesus comes to us in those moments and he says, I see you. I see you. And not only does he see us, but he takes that brokenness and he died for you, for me, so that we could come back in relationship with him. See, there is revelation. When the light of the world comes into brokenness, there's revelation. But there's also an invitation. 
We, we, can, we can go through life and it's like vacuuming the couch, right? We don't, we don't pick the couch cushion up for, for years, especially if we have little kids. And then you do it one day and it's like, wow, how did, well, there's like a cheeseburger under there. Well, how did that, I don't, that's so gross. And our reaction can be like, let's just put that down. Just forget that ever happened. But there's an invitation. There's an invitation to say, hey, I see your brokenness. I see your pain. I see your hurt. But the invitation is to walk. In, uh, earlier in John, John 1, 9 through 12, it says, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That light is for who? What's it say? The true light which gives light to everyone. This morning, if you're sitting in here, if you're listening to this, I believe that Jesus Christ is coming to you and saying, hey, I want to bring some things into the light. I want to, I want to bring revelation, and I'm not just going to leave you there. I'm not going to leave you there exposed and broken and hurting and, and writhing in shame. No, we're not going to do that. I want to bring revelation, and I also want to invite you into taking just one little baby step. Taking one little baby step. See, this guy, this guy, he started as blind from birth, and then he wound up as a worshiper of the risen Savior. I, I, I don't want to read too far into this, but if he's saying, do you want to be his disciple too? I'm guessing that this guy continued on to be a disciple of Jesus. He went from being born blind to, to most likely seeing Lazarus raised from the dead. He went from being born blind to most likely being one of the people that were in the upper room when Jesus appeared. He's one of the, he born blind to being one of the people on, on Pentecost Sunday who had tongues of fire on his head and he's proclaiming the goodness and greatness of God. What, what could God do with your brokenness? What, what is the invitation that he has for you this morning? My, I, I want to end with this. My, a friend of mine uh, I was in ministry with quite a while ago. They, they adopted some kids, I think from the Congo. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a really difficult thing. It's a beautiful thing and a really difficult thing. I, I think their daughter was, I believe, about five years old when they adopted her. And so for five years, she, she was in, a, in, in an orphanage. For five years, she, she was experienced just in, incredible trauma, being al- I mean, they kept her alive, but, you know, kids need more than just the basic needs to, to flourish, right? We know that. And yet, when he, when he adopted them, and they, he, he brought them home, and his wife and him, they just loved on him, and he, kept, he just kept loving on her, and he kept, uh, kept making uh, just advancements towards her as a father, and just pouring his love out for her as, as his daughter, now as his child, the, the one that, that now has, bears his last name, and he just, just continued to love on her, and she, yet she just kept, like, because of her trauma, because all the, her brokenness and the things that she had experienced, she just kept, like, just turning away from him. Just had so much trouble and, and there was so much just, it was so hard. And yet one day he, he said, that he just kept pouring his love out on her. And then at some point she turned towards him and called him daddy. And, and you know, that, that step towards him, she, she didn't know what was going to happen next. 
She didn't know if this trauma that she had experienced would, would go away. She didn't, it wasn't like everything was, was roses after that. Really difficult things were going to happen. She didn't know any of that. The only thing she knew was she wanted to take a step towards the light of her father's love that was being revealed to her in that moment. That was the invitation. And I believe it's the same invitation for us. So this morning, what I want to do, uh, before we take communion, we're going to take communion together. And what I want to do is I just want to spend a little bit of time in prayer. And we're just going to ask God, God, what do you want to reveal to me this morning? Maybe there's areas for you, maybe there's areas of brokenness where God wants to, to, to bring revelation. He wants to shed that light. Not, not to bring shame. Shame is the voice of the enemy. But, but to bring revelation and then maybe there's an invitation for you this morning. Can we, can we pray? Can we pray together? God, uh, this morning, as we, as we think about who you are as the light of the world, I pray, God, that, that you would rev- bring revelation to us this morning. Right, just right now, God, is, is there something? Is there an area? God, is there, is there an area of our lives that we would just rather not be shown. Maybe it's a thing from our distant past. And we've tried to bury it, but it just will not stay dead. Maybe it's a thing from just this past week. We're still carrying around the shame and we're carrying around just the the identity that, that we feel like comes from that thing. Maybe it's a thing that we've been dealing with for as long as we can remember. Would you bring revelation? Would you, would you shed light on those spaces, God? And God, I, I pray, is there an invitation that you would have for us in that? Maybe there's a little baby step that you're inviting us to, to, just, to just come towards you in. Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's just mention it to somebody. Maybe it's um, a relationship that needs to, uh, to be repaired. Maybe an apology that needs to be made. Maybe it's, I, I don't know. God, no matter how big or how small it is, would you help us this morning? Help us to to take that step and experience your love for us. It's in your name. Amen. This podcast is part of the ministry of Compass Church in Columbia, Missouri. For more information, please check out compasscfc.com.